once again to Center Left Radio, the progressive voice of hope, politics, and jazz. My name is Richard Gazer, and as always, I am pleased and I'm honored to be your host and your commentator for another of our commentary shows. One of the shows that we have up on air, online, 24-7 here at www.centerlefttalkradio, one word. CenterLeftTalkRadio.com. It is Friday, the 5th of May. I made it through the entire day yesterday. I, 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 for those of you, um, there's sort of a running, there's a running joke in our culture. And, and I'm, I'm surprised how many people don't seem to be completely aware of it. Uh, essentially, it, it's... May 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 fourth, May the fourth, uh, is really depending on how you want to say it, uh, a a a badly delivered version or of the beginning of a line that was used in I don't know what is it now eight or more different uh, episodes uh, variants on uh, the Star Wars. Uh, saga, if you will, George Lucas's uh, brainchild here. May the fourth be with you. <laughs> may the fourth. Well, okay. May the force be with you. But but the joke has been for some time when people uh, calling it Star Wars Day. May the fourth be with you. Yeah, you get it. And uh, I, I I I just had a feeling that I was going to find an excuse to say that to someone yesterday. And, and it, it, was, it, was, it was a perfect opportunity because uh, we had our uh, annual uh, opera outing last night. There's a, there's a group of guys that I went to high school with. And once a year, uh, one of our more illustrious members sets up a, uh, a, an event at the Metropolitan Opera, uh, arranges all the tickets, and we all meet for a dinner at a restaurant nearby. Uh, in this case, it was Il Violino, which is this lovely old line Italian restaurant over on Columbus Avenue and 68th Street. The, the Met is, of course, at the Lincoln Center, about two blocks, two and a half blocks away. And um, the dinner, of course, was delightful. And the show, uh, I have to just briefly tell you about this. Uh, a year ago, Terrence Blanchard, a famous jazz uh, horn player, uh, had a, it was his second opera, was performed uh, and had its opening at the Met. And this was at the time when the Metropolitan Opera was just reopening, okay? Uh, their COVID had shut everything down forever and ever. And what happened was, uh, finally, finally, uh, there was going to be a live opera once again. You know, it, it, it's amazing how fast we tend to forget a lot of, uh, or maybe we just don't want to remember everything that we went through culturally, educationally, business-wise, all of the changes, all of the shutdowns, everything that was done in an effort to mitigate 
what a disease that killed well over a million people it winds up in the end in America and was a, a, a real uh, horror show of a situation would have been infinitely worse had it not been for proper efforts being made or, or best efforts being made by the CDC and others, Tony Fauci and, and others, uh, to basically keep this thing in check as best they could. And it was, it was a learning-as-you-go situation, uh, and, I, and I give a lot of credit to the people who did learn and did ultimately uh, protect uh, many of us. And, and the speed with which a vaccine was created. And yes, there'll always be the people yelling and screaming about, ah, it wasn't necessary, would have made it through anyway. And, and they're just looking for ways to make money and they should have never put it out that quick. And, it was, and nay, 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 and everything. But forgetting, forgetting basically uh, how much good was done and how quickly. And yes, uh, yes, the pharmaceutical companies made a fortune on it, of course. But good was done by people working together. And of course, it's, well, it's just going to be politicized. That's just the nature of how the country is. And COVID came in the middle of Trumpism. So, you know, you figure it out. All, all that having been said, um, what the Met and any and any number of other institutions, especially artistic institutions, have noticed uh, is that the, the rate of people coming back, maybe the, maybe the Metropolitan Opera might be, uh, you know, might be unique. It is one of the premier, if not the premier opera company in the world. Certainly from a production perspective, they put on spectaculars in the Metropolitan the opera orchestra is brilliant and all of the choreography work and the singers and the quality of what is done is just astronomical. I mean, just an amazing, and of course, the room itself, the Metropolitan Opera House at, uh, at Lincoln Center is this, it's just this work of, of operatic and every other theatrical genius. The acoustics are wonderful. Uh, and, and, and they're just such a, a world-renowned and correctly world-recognized world institution and such a proud thing to have in New York. But they'd noticed that the crowds really weren't coming back. The, the standard operas weren't being populated uh, as they were in a pre-COVID world. And, and the numbers were not looking wonderful. There, 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 wasn't, uh, a, there was questions about the, the attendance levels at the standard operas even then. And of course, so there's always an effort to be creative and, and bring something that another audience might be interested in seeing, uh, just to try to expand where the Metropolitan Opera might go to, to maintain its, its standards for quality, but to introduce stuff that especially in the New York area could have a broader appeal. Well, they did this brilliantly with, with, with Fire Deep in My Bones that was done, uh, the Terrence Blanchard opera that was staged a year ago, and realizing 
that the numbers just weren't rebounding back, decided to do what was really an earlier Blanchard opera. Terence Blanchard, uh, besides being a brilliant jazz musician, has, uh, has I, think he, I think his big claim to fame is how many different movies and shows he has, he has scored, uh, how many, um, he, he's, his, his composing capabilities are far and above beyond those of the average great jazz performer. And he, and he showed that again with the opera last night uh, called Champion. And it's the story of the life of boxer Emil Griffin. Now, to give you an idea of, of, of how naive the guy is who's speaking to you right now, I was not aware of the fact uh, up until the time that the opera uh, came out and we knew we were all going last night that Emil Griffin was, in fact, a gay, or at least gay, maybe bisexual, a fighter at a time uh, living in New York mostly. He was all over the world, boxing. But he came from the islands, he came from St. Thomas, and there are all sorts of weird things he went through and everything, and ultimately uh, it was his homosexuality that became an issue in the death of an opponent that he fought in the ring. And in fact, the, the opponent had taunted him before the fight and was taunting him during the fight about his alleged homosexuality. And basically, at one point, I think it was around the 12th round, the story goes, not the story goes, the fact goes, that Griffin, finally getting this guy up against the ropes, landed 17 punches to his head in seven seconds. Imagine that. His opponent goes into a coma as a result of this, ultimately dies. The opera basically is an effort to delve into Emile Griffith's deepest feelings and sentiments. He ultimately went into a state of dementia later in life. It was really amazingly staged. The, the physicality of it was brilliant. Many of the, it, so much of the boxing is in there, of course, done in a, in a more stylized way. Um, the scenes from his life, everything that you would expect from the Met was there. Um, the singing and the well, the, the orchestration was brilliant. The singing was phenomenal. If I if I had any one comment about it, it might be that it could have been. I, I well, I yeah, right. Good luck. Uh, if if I were if I were a musical editor, I would have tried to find a way to reduce the time of the overall time of the opera by maybe 20 or 30 minutes. It could have been done, I think. That, that's my one call on this. There was a certain almost Baroque opera uh, res, uh, repetition of lines and words over and over, the same thing being said many times, always artistically, always musically, captivatingly, but... Okay, uh, you've you've 
sort of made that point. Opera, uh, I guess, makes a point and then makes the point again. And there's something in the in the in the in the richness and the and and just the intensity of it that basically is what makes grand opera grand opera, high opera, if you will. And I I suppose we have to expect that, that there's going to be this concentrated kind of an effort to bring this thing out and to lay it out for you in the most finite way possible. Finite, in this case, producing length and time more than one would expect, but there's no doubt about it. And the cumulative effect is to bring you a sense of richness and enrichment besides getting the nature of the story. That is in the nature of, of grand opera. That's just how it works. I, 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 my wife and I caught a rehearsal of La Boheme at the Met about two and a half weeks ago, three weeks ago. Same thing. The people have declared that Puccini's La Boheme is probably the most perfect opera ever written for the music, for the time, for the richness of the emotions, for the way it moves along, for the character development, the capacity to basically have fun and watch the characters go through what they go through. Uh, having seen this production of La Boheme, by the way, I would, I would say that a thousand times over. Now, I realize you may not be opera fans. Now, there's, there is a, uh, a finite number of them in the world. I guess more of them are packed here into New York than, than a lot of other places. Um, it, it's, it's an art form that I had a hard time embracing until I got up there in a few years. I, I, I just never had really, I couldn't get my arms around it until I basically relaxed my, got the tension out of my body and just sat there and let it flow over you. And just the beauty of the full, of the full force of opera and the amount of effort and time and, and, and just the complex, the complex richness of it really, really can make a fan out of people. Clearly, not enough people uh, to support many of the uh, standard operas these days. And as such, the Met is looking for ways to expand audiences. Having two Terence Blanchard operas one year apart is clearly a way to do that. And I must say, last night, the hall was pretty well full. I would say we were 85, 90% full last night uh, on, a, on a Thursday evening at the Met. A good sign. And the, and the audience was enthusiastic. And it was wonderfully, wonderfully diverse. All those things, very good things. But I, 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 I want to go from this notion of complexity and 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 cautious cautious statement or even restatement and and this notion of how much effort goes into this to make sure not so much that you that you get it but that it is absolutely complete that it's all there and and, and I, I know this is gonna 
I, I, I hope you don't see this. I don't see it. Uh, in my mind, this, this makes sense. I, I hope you don't see this as a forced analogy. I think a very reasonable analogy in this case uh, is to, 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 let's say, to, to Blanchard's opera, Champion, from last night. There was yesterday a decision reached by a Washington, D.C. Uh, federal court. And the Proud Boys, the leadership and others within the Proud Boys, the January 6th group, the white nationalist, whatever the hell, anything else they might be, but the people who were storming, uh, they were storming the Capitol on January 6th and all that, they were found guilty of seditious conspiracy. And I think this might be the third group of people from the January 6th group that have been found guilty of this. This is a very complex and a rather serious charge. And it comes from a civil war set of statutes within, within, the, within federal law that basically could give someone as much as a 20-year jail term for the type of things that were done on January 6th. And it requires a tremendous amount of cautious marshalling of information, a, a ever so cautious uh, and, and, and consistent and plotting, if you will, production I'm, here comes the analogy, production of information that ultimately comes out as a cohesive case against these individuals. Not an easy thing to do, but it takes time, apparently, to get these things right. Now, granted, the January 6th uh, prosecutions against the, the boots on the ground, as it were, has been uh, basically sucking up all of the January 6th oxygen in the year, in the air. Uh, there has been, together with these, with these highly successful prosecutions, there have been several hundred. People are in jail. The, the worst of the worst in terms of the people who would do this country harm and try to basically knock it down, take it over, do something. I don't know. Again, I, I, I can never figure out what their ultimate image is. Once you've broken it, once you've destroyed this country, then what is it? What do you, what do you see America being? I've done a show on this several times. What, where, what, where does it go next? Okay, we, 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 okay, goody, we, 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 we kept Trump in office. We, we broke the system, and he's in there. What do you think is going to happen now? Well, now, if anyone tries to take him out, we'll become his private army. No, and don't worry, the military won't do anything. No, and don't worry, none of the institutions of government, they're all so broken at this point that no one is going to do anything anyway. We're going to just take over, and it'll be like a big kumbaya, and we're all going to drink beer and sit in the Capitol, and at night we'll do whatever we want, and we'll party and... And, and, well, who cares about running the place? We will have one. Won't that have been an, I mean, that's all it has to be. In my mind, that's kind of where I see this going. All of these people in paramilitary outfits. I, I never get the sense that there is a 
a capacity or even a, a notion or certainly a desire to replace current structures with anything that work for anything that would work for the entirety of the country. If you're going to have a country, you got to actually run the place and run it rationally. To suddenly pull away democratic structures in the name of, well, unless we knock them down and unless we force this and unless we put Donald in by force, we'll never have justice in this country. Without thinking just an inch or two beyond that to what, what will we have? If we break every if if we break every egg right now and make the world's biggest omelet, but there's no more eggs and there's no more structure and there's no and and there's absolutely no chance that the majority of the country is ever going to respect this. And I keep going back to the military. That the mili will the would the military tolerate essentially a coup? Would 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 the military tolerate? Not only an insurrection, but a successful destruction of the rule of law in this country. I, I, these people don't seem to be able to think along these lines. Now, the argument again is again and again, we are going far too slow on the, on, uh, in prosecuting the people who basically were the ringleaders. Is specifically Donald's, uh, Mark Meadows, and 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 the Giuliani's, and 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 the Eastmans, and and all of these characters. You could parallel them to so many of the investigations that had to do with Watergate, and all of those people wound up doing time for one thing or another. And there there are there are analogies, but here we are with with Merrick Garland, the 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 Attorney General of the United States, seeming seeming preoccupied with the low-hanging fruit of, these, of, the, of the process and having taken, from me as well, endless, uh, well, I, I don't think I've been that difficult. I know plenty of people have, plenty of commentators have, endless uh, barbs about what the hell is wrong with you. Don't you understand that, that the perception that justice is being delayed seems like justice denied and all you're doing is elevating Donald and making it feel, and this son of a bitch, after everything he did in our, right in our faces, is in the ultimate kick in, kick in the gonads, is actually running for president again. Has the nerve, but then again, nerve and Trump are common. Part of his brand is to be absolutely uh, shameless and do whatever the hell he wants. This is part of his appeal. I'll do anything. I'll do it in Macy's window. You can't stop me. I'm invincible. Doesn't matter that he's already been indicted. Doesn't matter he was twice impeached. Doesn't matter that there's all these other things coming down. Well, Garland is telling us, at least if you want to hear the story, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to, con I shouldn't even say concede this, I'm going to recognize this, that it takes a lot of cautious plotting, a lot of real production, a lot of careful uh, choreographing and writing and, and, and structuring of the script 
if you will. I'm, I'm trying to, I'm getting back to my, my Terrence Blanchard, New, you know, Metropolitan Opera analogy here. You don't just, you don't just go ahead and say, you know, look, everybody saw what happened. No, it, 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 it's, it's got to be more than that. <clears throat> it's got to be the connective tissue that basically gives intent to what Donald Trump did. Oh, of course you know what his intent was. He wanted us. No, you, you have to be able to show a crime with a, with a, with a common, with a concomitant uh, intention for crime. This is how criminality is established. And I actually, in hearing about the results of the Proud Boy case, felt that much more reassured that if you can win, and if the Justice Department can win these really tough cases, and it's not easy, I can't be easy, prosecuting people uh, for a for a seditious for seditious conspiracy, and and the level of proof and the amount of and the amount of uh, punishment that is attached to that is is very significant, and the amount of work it would take to to construct a case and the time it would take has got to be significant. But having done that. And realizing that what these people were doing, what these, what these proud boy types and others were doing, oath keepers, whatever the hell their names were, all of these thoughtless, well, not thoughtless in the sense of, of wanting to basically tear the house or burn the house down and somehow be in power, but thoughtless in terms of imagining what America might be if they were successful, whatever, and not even being able to understand what successful would mean, I, I, I would argue. They have no idea. Their emotions and their anger and their, and their need for vengeance simply, simply basically dovetailed with Donald's cries for revenge or for, or for vindication because he was wrong. He's still yelling and screaming it. If, if, if they had not been convicted successfully, then all of this would have been a bad joke, and and all we could look at would be to, would be essentially that's it. Justice denied as far as Trump and Meadows and 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 Giuliani and Eastman and that ilk. It's just basically we 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 are basically incapable of redressing the worst wrongs against this country. But with the seditious conspiracy conviction of the Proud Boys much of what had to be proved for that, so many of the elements there will invariably, I, I say this not knowing, I say this not having a hand in, not having all of the evidence in front of me or having reviewed it in any significant way, but it's all playing into a single fact that why did they do it? Well, we did it because Donald, they, you've heard this again and again, and this, Donald told us to do it. We did it at the behest of and at the direction of and on behalf of and for because we love Donald. 
We did this because this is what he, did we wake up one morning and, well, it just so happens that his goals and our goal, we want to tear the place apart. He wants to stay in power. Both require busting, busting up institutions and changing and, and all this other. We happen to have common, we have a common set of goals, although no, we might not necessarily be exactly motivated by the same thing. Well, it would seem, and I will be reading some of these decisions, it would seem as though the motivations, the, 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 the commonality of the motivations are that much closer. The information that's been produced to basically get these guys in jail on seditious conspiracy, you have to believe it makes no sense not to believe that much of that information will be applicable to, an, to a prosecution of Donald Trump. And that when you realize that this stuff had to be in the mind of Merrick Garland, who is a career, career, career prosecutor, you work your way up the food chain. And yes, Jack Smith is out there now. And yes, Jack Smith might have been out there a lot earlier had Merritt said to do it. But this is a, more than I've imagined it in quite some time, it's a process. And I believe this is the last of the major, major organizational cases. Everything else now is pretty much individual. And I can't, I can't even envision how much information that's been developed is basically going to be available once indictments are brought against Donald. And here is probably the biggest chunk of this, the, the most significant part of this of all. All of those people who basically now will be doing, or, or will, as, as, as the sentencing comes down, who will be uh, guilty, who will be liable for as much as 20 years in prison. You've got some motivated people out there. You've got people who basically, in the interest of their own freedom over the course of a long period of time, have and may be very interested in sharing culpatory information that basically would assist Jack Smith and his troops, essentially at the Justice Department, in bringing equally successful prosecutions against the Mark Meadows of the world, the Donald Trumps of the world, the, the Rudy Giuliani's of the world, the Paul Eastman's of the world, maybe the, maybe the Ginny Thomas's of the world as well. That, that, that inner circle is the, next, is the next plateau. This has been a bottom-up series of events, but this is not atypical of a mob uh, of, a, of, a, of an organized crime investigation. You work from the bottom up. Yes, we can make the argument that there has been not, just, it's just been too damn slow. 
They should have gotten on this stuff right at the back. The, the, as we were watching the hearings on, on TV, we, we should have been, there should have been concomitant use of the same uh, information that was being pulled together by the January 6th committee, the House, the House subcommittee, select, I'm sorry, the House Select Committee. That, that, that material should have been shared at the very, very same instant with the Justice Department, and there should have been a simultaneous effort to bring these people to justice instantaneously. It's taken so damn long. Yeah, uh, there, there's no way about that, no way around it. But the case and the information and the win rate used for, against people who were this, uh, this connected to everything Donald was saying, the amount of information being accumulated leads me to conclude, not, not, not speculate, conclude, that the Justice Department is doing this, dare I say it, the right way. S at least the sequence in which it's doing it. No, I'll never, like everybody else in this country who has any sense of justice, uh, a lot of people don't, they just have vengeance and grievance, but, but anyone with a sense of justice, of course, is infuriated by, well, it's been two and a half years, damn it, or whatever, you know, how dare you not, you know, how, how could you not have, have basically, uh, why isn't the guy in, 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 in chains and breaking rocks in some prison someplace by now? We still have the issue of the fact that Donald is a former president of the United States, and we have the very real image of what does the United States of America do when a leader has stepped this far out of line? Do we incarcerate? It's a big thing. It's a big thing. I, I think uh, my, my, my sense is one of the major things to go for here and that, that Jack Smith will be going for with his prosecutions through the Justice Department against Donald and others will be to basically blunt their ability to ever do anything like this again, to expose them, which means there'll be convictions. And in the case of Donald, especially in the Mar-a-Lago, in the documents case, the obstruction of justice with that, what I imagine will be most significant will be the exercise of one of the penalties associated with one of the three espionage type laws that will have been broken, that have been broken, that need to be proven in court to have been broken. And one of those penalties are that you, one of those penalties is, okay, that you may never run, you may never hold office in the United States again. I believe, I forget if it's federal or state, but, but in any event, it would basically prevent Donald dead in his tracks right now from basically continuing to run for president. You can't, if, you can't, if you can't hold the office, you can't run for the office. It basically would be a negation of him. And I would imagine if you don't want to put him in jail, if you don't want to have the precedent of putting a former president, however bad he was, in a federal cell where he would invariably end his days, 
if the convictions are at the number of and at the level of and with the precision, the operatic precision with which uh, the, the, uh, the prosecution of the Proud Boys under the seditious conspiracy laws, if, if Jack Smith does that at anywhere near the same level, it will invariably result in a conviction against this guy. And then what do we do? Do we want him languishing in prison, shut away, everything shut down? Um, or do you want to simply negate him? Do you want to limit him to Mar-a-Lago or wherever he can afford to be once he's convicted and probably no longer capable of running his businesses, once he's potentially liquidated? or there are some financial penalties brought against him. That's part of criminal, that's part of criminal uh, uh, activity. Uh, monies that were taken in immediately before and after the insurrection in the name of defending him. Was there a, def the, the quarter of a billion dollars that this SOB raised off of his, oh, I don't care, I'll give, I don't care if he's never gonna use it, I'll give it to him because he asked me, to, no, thank you. It's illegal. He's going to suffer financial hardship as well as, most likely, is going to suffer financial hardship as well as loss of certain freedoms. How do we want to ultimately structure those so that it is both a lesson to those who might consider doing wrong to the country in the future and I, I dare say this, as, 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 as non-inflammatory, as reasonable, I don't care if, you know, if he loses and, and no, he, he's, he's good, he, how dare they convict him? But as non-inflammatory a sentencing of, of the man, of, of, of a definition of a penalty as possible, with the understanding that the more important thing is that justice, be, that, that we have recognized and prosecuted and convicted this guy, that the system has found him guilty, that there will be real, real consequences for him. In Donald's case, the toughest part of all, of course, is his ego being fractured, deflated. You take away his capacity to ever run again. You take away his bully pulpit. You, you can shut him up as part of, obviously, if he were on an on ankle bracelet forever. Uh, you, you basically take away money from him, which was illicitly gained. You basically disgrace and probably incarcerate everybody around him. But yes, we carve out... Maybe, I, I, again, I'm, I'm, I'm still working this out in my mind, we carve out a type of penalty for someone who had been the President of the United States so that we basically can look at him truly as a disgraced individual who can no longer get out there on the airwaves, in social media. It's going to change the whole landscape of things. 
Does he necessarily have to be packed away in an institution that then itself becomes uh, a, a, a not only a symbol but an object of let's go get him out or something like that? Do we? And 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 don't worry. You know we could protect against that, but. What do we want to accomplish with this guy? Ah, throw, throw him in jail, throw away the key. Does that take us for, is for, far away from uh, the, 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 the concept of what he did and the possibility of it happening as humanly possible? Does it, does it, is it a wake-up call to a lot of people to basically get away from the thoughts of basically overturning the country simply because you didn't get what you wanted and that you lie about it and the lie is okay because we can do whatever we want in order to get whatever we want. How do you get to these people? We had a show a few days ago where I said, this is not, go we are not going to end Trumpism by essentially defeating Trumpists, and in any way you want to call it that, defeating them, we're going to have to give them all a better alternative than Donald has for basically living in this country, for a mechanism, for a way of being part of this country. Not going to be easy. Not, not at all. So on this Friday morning, the 5th of May, no longer can we say, may the 4th be with you. Okay, thank goodness for that. Thank goodness I avoided the, uh, the temptation. But, but having, uh, having taken some faith, taken some hope in the notion of, uh, of the Proud Boy conviction on, on, the, on the count of seditious conspiracy, and realizing that the next in line are the people at the top, the ringleaders of this entire, the real ringleaders, the real co-conspirators who basically caused this to happen, and realizing that there's a bunch of people with a lot of information about to have long jail sentences who might be very, very motivated to provide information that could basically uh, get Donald and Rudy and, and Eastman and, and Meadows um, to get him at, 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 at some kind of a quid pro quo. This is done constantly in the criminal justice system, but with the understanding that the important thing is getting the big guy. It wasn't easy to get John Gotti. It wasn't easy to get, uh, to get Al Capone. These things took time, took effort, but once it was done, it was done. And justice ultimately was served. And, you know, maybe we'll forget again. But we will find a way to rather graphically demonstrate, even at this level, that crime not only doesn't pay, but that when you, when you commit crime at this level, it will be discovered. You cannot flaunt yourself at it. Donald, of course, is the, is the crown, is the crown and the clown prince of basically in your face, 
you didn't get me, ha, ha, ha. So what about that indictment in New York? Ha, 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 ha. That's nothing. It's a lie. What about the case going on against me, the civil case, civil rape? Ha, 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 ha. That's going to trial very shortly. That's when these convictions start coming in. And when the two, at least two indictments, three if you add the Georgia case, when these, when these indictments and convictions start coming down. And by the way, I, I, I can't say, it might be one thing how the federal courts would handle uh, Donald and what he would have done. What will they do in Georgia? Will the state of Georgia be quite as thoughtful about not really seeing the, the value of putting him in prison? Could the state of Georgia be told by the federal government, no, 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 if you've convicted him, you cannot sentence him according to your established state guidelines. Hmm. Think about that. It's, there's so much still ahead of us here. But I, I, I just feel better today uh, for having seen a great opera uh, uh, and, and, and seeing a newer and richer audience coming to the Met and basically having heard that uh, a very difficult charge has been brought successfully against a bunch of people who were right in the heart, the boots on the ground, of the January 6th conspiracy. And it happened because time and effort and all sorts of caution were exercised in putting this together so that a jury could, no, no hung jury, no, they all came back with, they had, by the way, as, as the deliberations were starting, there was a question that came out from the jury. We heard this the other day about, uh, you know, what, what if we can't come to a uh, decision on seditious conspiracy? Well, responded the judge, I believe I heard this, you know, there's all these other counts. There were like eight counts. Oh, okay. And some people thought, well, that's it. That's it. They'll never, they'll never get them on seditious conspiracy. But they did. They simply wanted direction on what would happen if, and in the end, no hung jury, no questions, no, we can't reach a decision, but nope, 12-0, seditious conspiracy. Donald, Rudy, Mark, John, Ginny, hopefully, Clarence, I don't know. Be patient. Time's coming up. Uh, unfortunately, we don't, D David is not with us this morning. I wasn't even sure if I was going to be able to put out a show this morning. David will be with us again next Friday. But one way or the other, this would be a very, very good time for a little jazz.
This is Richard Gazer. You know, it takes lots of time and effort and all kinds of resources to produce the kind of quality program we produce here at Center Left Radio. And it costs money to do it. Now, if we screamed a little louder or thought a little less about what we were saying, we could probably get a few advertisers to pay us to sell their products to a more tribally predictable audience. But that's not who we are or who you are. You come to Center Left Radio for non-commercial, thoughtful commentary. You're looking for an honest, progressive approach to solving America's problems, not exacerbating them. And we're committed to providing all of that. We're one of the few stations offering full-time, non-commercial, progressive programming. And we're the only station, the only one, doing it with a combination of hope, politics, and that most eloquent of all original American art forms, jazz. Think of it this way. We support your needs. Now we're asking you to support ours. Take a moment and go to our website, www.centerlefttalkradio, one word, centerlefttalkradio.com, and go to the donate page. And when you get there, give whatever you can on a one-time or maybe a recurring basis, $5, $10, $1,000, whatever you can contribute to make Center Left Radio's unique progressive voice stronger and even more significant as the full extent of the wrongdoing of Donald Trump and his associates becomes all the more evident and as we seek to hold the House Democrats accountable for the promises they made to the American people during the last election. Yeah, you know what's at stake. And I know, we all know, we can count on you. On behalf of all of us at Center Left Radio, thank you. You've been listening to Center Left Radio, the progressive voice of hope, politics, and jazz. My name is Richard Gazer, and thank you once again for being part of today's show. The complaint is out there, has been reasonably for a long time. Where are the convictions? Why is Donald still walking around a free man? Well, with the conviction of the Proud Boys on seditious conspiracy and all of the effort that goes into getting that charge, I feel personally, I feel hopeful that it isn't a question of not happening, it's a question of justice coming when it should.